Hi. It's me, Chester. I have the power! This is the first time that you've heard me have the power since last time I had the power. Which was... how many months ago, Aubrey? Uh, well, if you're going by the main feed, technically it was last Christmas. Yeah. It was over no, year. it was Feed the Machine. We put that up. Put the first episode no up. to that. Yeah, some people did. Not many people, but anyway. Hello, everyone. My name is Chester Lynn, and welcome to Not Dark Tides. Sorry, BJ, I'm banging the what table. What did I say? <laughs> what? <laughs> one, one job. Listen, man. Who are you talking to? I said, don't touch the mic, don't bang the table. I'm not people. This I'm professional over here. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Mr. Lennon. Welcome to the ever-pleasant Mr. Bates, a mini-series that we're doing over the several... It's a Dark Tides weeks. prequel. You need it's to make sure that they Tides know prequel. that they haven't just, like, lost their minds or clicked the wrong podcast. I'm fine with that. No, no, this is the wrong podcast. This is the wrong podcast. <laughs> it is a Dark Tides prequel. But As yeah. usual, I'm, of course, yeah. joined by Aubrey. He's been stripped of his powers, stripped of his uh, yellow heart, purple heart... Powers? He's, uh, is this an anime thing? No, he has powers? That, I think it's a war thing. Purple Heart? Purple Heart, yeah. Purple Heart's for injuries, yeah. Not I just heart. don't have to do all the work now. Yeah. This is good. That was his superpower, being overworked. <laughs> <laughs> My superpower is called Burnout. Yeah. And of course, those are the dulcet tones of BJ. Hello, everybody. Hello, it's everybody. Me. They still haven't kicked me off, but <laughs> they tried. Hello, it's Hello. me, BJ. My neck. No. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> and of course, we are also joined by other people. Other people. You might remember me from uh, that show that. You know that Chester was talking about. Uh, if you do remember me, forget me, please. Uh, fresh start, you know. Thanks, Caleb. Yeah. There's no Thanks, name Caleb. attached yeah. to this. <laughs> so give no, us your name. Hello. for anonymity. Uh, hello, my name is Caleb. That is Hi, my Caleb. name. Hi, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Hi, everyone else. Welcome back. There's too many people to do names now. And moving along the table. Yeah, we got a new table. We Fun have. things. We have. Hi, I'm Kate McCallum. Uh, Hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. Kate's new. Hi, new one. Hi, new one. How long have you been sober? (laughs) 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 Am I I misreading this? It's that kind of table. It's that kind of table. Yeah, that's me. Hi. Uh, I'm originally from Queensland, but not anymore. Thanks for that fact. Well done. I don't think most people listen to this are American, so they're going to be like, oh. there's a land for the queen? Who's yeah, the queen? Queensland. Queensland. Exactly. Sticky. Yeah. Queensland is mangoes. the Texas of Australia, if you didn't know. I love mangoes. Ow. Moving around the corner of the table. This table doesn't have corners. It's an oval. Mm, you it does have all the whack imagination. <laughs> I do. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Please continue. That's okay. Um, you'll find Megan. I'm also new here. And I am currently sitting on the not corner of this oval table. Louder! No! More energy! Oh, why my ears? <laughs> Power! I'm, so sorry. I'm really anxious about like injuring BJ's ears because he's currently our sound master. I have headphones, so, um, guys. Anyway, yeah. my microphone is going to do a little swing wow. over. BJ looks like a nerd. It's going to look really cool on the podcast. <laughs> g'day, g'day. Uh, hi, my name's Micah. I'm just joining these lads. Doing some crazy voices. Yeah. First time doing this, so. Micah is a yeah. man of many voices. I'm feeling <laughs> at least yeah. two. At least I'm, two. I'm feeling a lot of tension around this table. I'm there feeling a lot, a lot, of, a lot of nerves. I tried to break the nerves by playing the worst improv game. Yes. But yeah, I don't think it worked. I didn't really spend very much time with you. To be fair, I was ringing for a while. You could have picked up again. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Anyway, no one's going to understand what that is. So, no. 
Welcome to this. This is one of the few mini series we're going to be doing this year. Uh, depends on how long this one goes for. How many other ones? That's a speaker. Aubrey. Aubrey. Depends on how many we're going to do this year. Again. No. Okay. <laughs> so this is called the ever pleasant Mr. Bates. It is to um, basically. There's no real way, a good way of saying this. This is my act of rebellion against modern horror because I hate Aubrey. modern horror. <laughs> This is my attempt to go back to a more 50s style of horror. And as Stephen King would put it, this isn't horror, this is suspense. So it is a intense show. Uh, it's probably going to be marked as explicit. I don't know. We'll see how we go. But I hope you enjoy it. I've put about... Ungodly amount of work into this. I've never had spreadsheets before. <laughs> spreadsheets. I currently have so many documents on my desk. Have we ever had spreadsheets for the show before? No. Wow. Aubrey doesn't prep anything anymore. I I've spent like six months prepping and a year of thinking this through. So it's, there's a lot going into this. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope everyone around this table enjoys it as well. I mean, I will enjoy like, it, but my grandmother won't. You're She's like half of our link. audience. You guys were like the majority of our audience who are now mm, yeah. our voice actors. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, if you become a patron, there's a good chance that we're going to ask you to be in the show. Yes. Anyway, jumping in now to the ever-pleasant Mr. Bates, episode one, A Town Called Mercy. the rain on the window of Heath O'Sullivan's room. Wind howls and beats against the fragile glass. It rattles in its frame. The sky above twists and churns like a cauldron. Occasional flashes of lightning break up the grey sky as fog begins to settle over the rooftops. We move past the chimney smoke of nearby houses, cutting a path into the fog and rain, and through the window of Heath's room as Warwick tears open a large bag of chips and begins dousing it in an ungodly amount of white vinegar. Till they're saturated. The radio on Heath's bedside table crackles in and out of a weather report. Heath watches Warwick as he continues to pour vinegar all over the chips. Yeah, that's about right. So anyway, as I was saying, Mercy's Creek, that old chestnut? That's what they say, isn't it? Crab apple. No one... No, no one says either of... Vinegar? I don't have Salt. a choice. No, I don't have a choice. You didn't do a portion of your... Anyway. Huh? Nah, nothing. Warwick leans back in his chair and looks through the window as fog slowly overtakes it and the city disappears. A moment of quiet takes the room as the two men sit. Teacher and student, friends and partners, surrogate father and son, they sit. Warwick leans forward and takes a handful of chips and puts them on a paper plate and leans back again. Hmm. I'm sure I've told you parts of the story before, haven't I? Probably never the whole story, well. It's not till recently that I ever knew the whole story. Turns out the Americans, the agency, had half of it and we had the other half. And we weren't talking back then. It was very frosty. Still, a few things have come to light. Emily's since spoken to everyone who was involved. Well, everyone who is left. 
So, it was the first mission that I had with Tyr. And I never went through the kind of training that you went through. You should be grateful. I mean, yes, I was in the army and that was its whole thing. But point was, I was still pretty green back then. Mm. But we were on the trail, working closely with the agency. We were moving through Canada at the time, and they didn't have the jurisdiction to do the kind of things that we could do. So, well, we were working together. We were the ones that could make the arrest. We followed the carnage. Always a few steps behind. Sometimes that keeps me up at night. Thinking about how many people we might have saved if we'd caught up sooner. We followed the carnage. Followed the whispers. Whispers of that ever-pleasant Mr. Bates. But my story is really second to the people who were on the forefront. For them, well, it all began late October coming home. Warwick once again looks out the window as the storm builds and grows in its ferocity. We pull through the window and watch the two men growing smaller and smaller as their window dissolves into the fog. Welcome to the ever-pleasant Mr. Bates. follow a yellow Ford Laser GL hatchback, the sticker on the back showing that it's an airport rental. It twists and turns along winding roads. The sides of the roads are bordered by red maples, yellow birches, black spruce and red oak. They create a canopy over the road and cast the whole area in a yellow glow as the noon sun arches high above. The winding country roads are caked thickly with fallen leaves, yet the trees don't look remotely bare yet. You are well and truly into true autumn. Not calendar autumn. The type of autumn that comes and stays a while, like an old friend. It settles into its favourite chair, takes out its pipe and fills the afternoon air with stories of places it has been and things it has done. True autumn. The car begins to slow as it reaches a crossroads. The two sitting it truly have no idea exactly what lays before them. But as the car rolls to a stop at the dotted line and Bud Humphrey looks left and then right before looking back to the outfolded map that Jessica Harlow is showing him, he squints, furrows his brow and then returns to looking at the road. One road leads on, the other leads back. The car sits, so do the passengers. The trees move and rustle. There is an apprehensive feeling, as they both are fully aware of which direction they need to go to get back on the highway that Bud accidentally turned off about 30 miles too early. He was insistent on not driving, but as his name is on the rental papers and insurance papers, he kind of had to. They sit and they wait, like a deep sea diver standing on the metal platform, about to dive into the darkest of oceans. The dark tides lapping at his feet, biting at him with their icy teeth. He is unaware of the shark waiting for him just feet below. They feel the tension in their bones, but slowly, 
Bud begins to turn the wheel and the car rolls forwards and they begin streaking down another country road, the only car in sight. He indicates and gets back on the highway. They speed past a green sign, Mercy's Creek, 10 miles away. Bud and Jess, you sit side by side, hurtling back home. You both received a call late last night from a number you no longer recognised. A call from your old friend, Jack Finney. Someone you haven't seen for ten years. He gave you the same message. Hey. I need you to come back to Mercy's Creek. Before it's too late. I'll see you at Salem's Lodge, okay? Tomorrow at three. It was an incredible coincidence that both of your flights landed at the same time and you ran into each other in the baggage area. An hour later, and here you are. Describe yourselves. Buddy is, on, on the larger side, he's, he's uh, six foot something, I haven't decided. He has brown hair, blue eyes, big, wide, approachable smile, and kind of just like a nice, a nice dress shirt, buttons, rolled up sleeves, a tie, jeans, formal but not too formal, carries himself uh, with a little bit of pride. Yeah, so Jess, she is five foot three, a uh, hundred and sixty centimeters if you're not from America. Uh, yeah, she's got long bleach blonde hair, um, but you can see a bit of her brown roots sticking out because managing that has become a nightmare. Um, but yeah, she's currently wearing a denim jacket with a couple of pins, an old shirt that she's turned into a crop top, um, and then has her trusty handbag that is her tool belt over her shoulder. Yeah, and that's Jess. Wonderful. So what are you two talking about as you drive this long, completely empty highway? So, buddy, you no longer look homeless. No, no longer. And uh, you, uh, I don't know, you kind of look the same to me still. I'm not in overalls and I do not have oil on my face, thank you very much. But yeah, thanks. So, dress shirt, what job you got, mate? Well, uh, a few jobs, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. I am, well, let's see, I, I'm working at a 24-hour diner, so that's a, a little more casual. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also... Uh, at this very nice club uh, as a part-time bouncer and somehow also a full-time bartender. Right. So the, the nice clothes kind of comes with the mixing of drinks. Right, right. Fair. Yeah. <sighs> there is a, uh, a slight awkwardness in the air as these two haven't seen each other in ten years and are now mm. driving together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. There are many awkward pauses. It's really weird to have, you know, that whole hour before of driving a complete silence. I couldn't stand it. Yeah, sorry about that. Man, contact just with our group? I haven't talked to a single person in I don't know how long. You haven't talked to anyone? Yeah, nah, basically after, like, what happened ten years ago, I hit the road. Never looked back. This is the first time going home and, like, Five, six years? Oh, wow. Wait, you went home six years ago? 
Yeah, dad got sick, so, you know, had to take over the store for a little bit, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. Can't really leave my work that much. Manager of a blockbuster. Oh, that's... That's a solid job. Set for life. You are. (laughs) Oh, man, Jess. I thought I had it good as a bartender, but... No. Those things, those blockbusters, those are future proof. <laughs> future proof. <laughs> Everyone They're never going to die. So <laughs> Just like VHS. Well, I don't know about I don't know about you, but I I'm excited to go back. Yeah? Yeah, I'm excited to see everyone again. Um like I don't know. I I've kind of missed like I I've, I've had a lot of fun these past 10 years, but I've I've missed that small town life. I've missed uh all, all you know, all of our friends, all of our... I mean, we... Well, hard to say friends when... Touchy subject that we left on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hope everyone's all right. Uh, I mean, it's been ten years. Everyone should be right. If they're not right by now, then... I, I, I just... Know. Wait, is, is that the turnoff? Yes. Have we? Okay. Yep. yep. Oh, okay. Buddy, you suck at driving. Where's the next? Okay. We see a, a bird's eye view of Buddy doing an illegal U-turn on the highway uh, <laughs> and going back the other way and Just... taking the turn off. <laughs> You begin skidding down this very familiar road and you pass on your right-hand side the lot, a grungy old motel that borders the eastern side of Mercy Creek. As it disappears behind you, you count in your heads, almost instinctually. Four, three, two, one. And you round a bend and pass a large metal sign that says, Now entering Mercy's Creek. Population 6,000. You continue along the main road. Soon, houses begin to break through the trees, before suddenly you emerge into a large opening, and the forest that bordered you stretches away to encircle the town rather than bordering the road. Occasional houses break into suburbs, neighbourhoods, streets you have walked, corners you've sat at, houses you've seen be built, painted, and now sit looking a little shabby. You slow the car as you encounter your first bit of, uh, quote-unquote, traffic since leaving the city. An old blue ute is travelling at an excess of seven miles per hour in front of you, swerving slightly. A bored-looking Labrador looks at you with a discerning gaze from the back window. It, it does not stop staring at you. <laughs> no, no, not staring. It's glaring at you. <laughs> but neither of you are paying it much mind. That feeling, that apprehension, that dare I say fear in your very bones has ebbed away it might have done you some good to remember it but it's gone you're appearing this way and that as you pass the suburbs and into the main street of Mercy's Creek you pass the Bargain Mart a beaten up old supermarket that by some miracle has not become a chain location yet you see a man you loosely remember from school pushing trolleys along the car park at the front of the supermarket Reggie something, but you just called him the rat in school because he was the king of gossip. Past the bargain mart is Joyner Avenue, the main road that leads to your old high school, the crumbling old mansion that was once the spectacle of the town in its heyday, and your mouth goes a little dry as you look up the road to Floyd's house. But before you can think on it more, the ute ahead turns off the main street and up Joyner and pulls into Spot's pub. The Labrador is still squinting at you from the car park of of, um, spots. 
Spots is a squat building made of wood with small windows or with bottle green glass. You speed up, almost missing the town hall that sits just behind Spots, a regal building made of stone, marble and hardwood. You do not remember ever going in there <laughs> during your childhood, but you still see it. You streak past Tina's Candy Store, the place you all frequented the most. You wonder if they still have a picture of your old friend Tully Jackson underneath the desk as he was banned in your senior year after spilling a water bottle into a display of hard candies and gluing them all together. So he was banned for life. You pass Mercy's Cafe, bustling as ever with a large sign out the front reading freshly baked scones and jam, 50 cents. Two of the staff seem to be arguing through the side door. You catch a bit of it as you roll past. Mabel, no one is going to be able to tell the difference. Yes, they will. Strawberry and raspberry jam are entirely different. How did you order 50 litres of the wrong jam? You pass the old library on your right-hand side, built at the same time and in the same style as the town hall. You see the large concrete stairs that lead up to it. And Bud, you have the most vivid image as you roll past it. An image of a young boy, Jack Finney. Tall and gangly, wearing his father's glasses because he thought they made him look cool. A baggy brown jumper and a cream woolen sweater, holding his school bag in one hand and a pile of books under his other arm. He drops the bag and holds a folder thicker than some of the books he's carrying out to you. You don't want to fail that history test again, do you? Follow the planner and you'll do just fine. The image is broken as a car behind you honks and you begin to speed up, shaking your head slightly. You've never had your imagination be that vivid. Not since you were a kid. Jess, you don't notice the cars behind you at all. You are looking at the local Happy Stacks across the street from the library. You see it almost as if it's reflected in the large glass front doors of the restaurant. You see William Marsh, or Tuck as you would all call him, a tall, thin boy with hollow cheeks, a pile of wild black hair and dark eyes. And you see Olivia Kelly, her brown eyes almost yellow in the afternoon light. Tuck is sitting cross-legged, smoking, enjoying the warmth of the sun. Olivia is sitting with her back to the pole of the street sign, watching Tuck blow smoke rings as she runs her thumb over the polished wooden handle of the new knife she ordered from the back of a fishing and shooting magazine. You feel your mouth stretch into a smile as you see Floyd Tibbet and Willow Holmes emerge out of Happy Stacks with bags of food. The other two leap up and the party begins to head up to Harlow Hardware, undoubtedly to come see you. You haven't seen your school friends. No, not just your school friends. Your best friends in a long, long time. The image fades and you continue up the street. What you don't see is the grown-up Tuck Marsh, or we'll just call him William Marsh, walking through this scene on his way to King's General Practice on the corner of the street across from Happy Stacks. Jess, you and Bud continue up the street and out of town making your way to Salem's Lodge. But instead of following you, we follow William Marsh. He walks up to the edge of the street and waits for the few passing cars. William, describe yourself. Uh, William Tuck Marsh is tall and well-built. He is dressed exclusively in shades of black and grey with motorbike boots um, and just a string of different necklaces and pendants tucked under his t-shirt his hair is still long almost shoulder length and still black more dyed now than natural uh, he has a terrible little uh, gold earring in his right ear 
Uh, his eyes are gaunt and sunken. He has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he looks pale and sickly and very, very unhappy. Tuck, you rub your eyes. You've been up for over 24 hours at this point. You received a call from Jack Finney late last night. You ignored the call three times before eventually picking up. You didn't have enough money for a plane ticket and you doubt there would even be any left on such short notice. So you grabbed what you could fit in a backpack, jumped on your 1989 Honda GB500, which is motorbike, <laughs> and drove through the night, stopping at roadside diners for cups of coffee and one stop at about 5am for a bagel before just pulling into town five minutes ago. You were sore, tired, and grumpy, but you were here. Jack asked you to specifically come to King's General Practice. You wait for traffic to pass so that you can cross the road. Tick. 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 You hear a sound coming up behind you. You see an old man walking up behind you. The tick, tick, tick sound is coming from his striped cane that he's swinging left to right and tapping lightly on the concrete as he walks up to you. And, tapping down the road, stops at the edge next to you. His cane lightly strikes your foot. Excuse me. He says, nodding in your general direction. It's fine. You see a withered old man. He wears a wide-brimmed black hat, a pair of circular red glasses that are immaculately cleaned. He's wearing a black suit that is clearly not of modern design. It looks a little ratty and worn in, so it's clearly old. He's lined with red, and so is his shirt, striking against his black tie. He has a strong, square chin with a very well-defined jawline and cheekbones. He is old, but not stooped. He stands around your height and smiles warmly at you. Now, if my nose doesn't deceive me, we're near Happy Stacks. Wonderful place, but I try not to eat the same place twice when I'm somewhere new. On my way to Mercy's Diner, actually. You, you know it? Yeah, I know it. Just don't get the casserole. Also, if you're going to try and eat somewhere new every night, you've got about three nights in this town. I might have to start experimenting with different dishes then. But uh, well, always trust a local. No casserole. He taps his nose. He pauses, listening, then smiles at you and begins to cross the now empty street. He reaches the other side and puts out a hand awkwardly in your general direction. Do you shake it? Yeah, badly. <laughs> with no enthusiasm. Thank you, thank you for the, the, the hot take. And he begins walking, swinging the cane towards Mercy's Diner. Bloody tourists, honestly. Tuck, you reach King's General Practice. The, it was once known as something else, but who cares? The General Practice hospital type place of Mercy's Creek. Mm -hmm. You push open the front door and walk up the thin flight of stairs before going into a medium-sized waiting room. There is a reception desk, which is well furnished with a few books on it and some scattered notes. There are some plastic plants and an uncomfortable looking waiting chair and the necessary number of trashy magazines. The room is dusty, but quiet. I... Is there a bell on... You can roll. Uh, ten. Okay, uh, there is no bell. But you see that the door to the general practice area is slightly ajar. I knock on the door. Okay, as you knock, the door is pushed open by your force, and you see Jack Finney 
standing, smoking, and looking out the window. His back is straight, and he looks especially tense. The cigarette is barely done before he crushes it in an overflowing tray and has lit another. He seems to be staring at the street, his eyes darting back and forth, taking everything in. Everyone in. He spins around and sees you. Ah. You look like shit. Hello, William. Oh, okay, we're doing that, are we? Ah, uh, yes, introductions, yes. Hello, he takes a step towards you, holding out his hand. No, I'm not going to shake your hand. Why not? I already know you. What? I've been awake for so long. Just tell me what you want so I can go to bed. Yes, yes, good, good, yes. Well, I've, um, I've, he's like patting your shoulder. Like, Don't touch me. I, I've, uh, rented rooms. It's all good. And he's starting to like pick through. Are you through. on speed? No, no. I, I am, I am completely here. And he's going through folders and he's starting to hand, hand you documents. What the hell is this? He's from people I've seen. He's a official typed up from people I've seen. We have some things... We need to go through before we see the others. Bud, you slam the boot of your rental and pass Jess her bag. You both turn around and find yourselves in the car park of Salem's Lodge. A place you haven't really ever had a reason to be because when you were here, you were living here, so you didn't have the reason to go to a lodge. But you know of it. About as far out of town as the lot was, you are entirely cut off from view. The lodge is, like, well and truly inset into, for like, the forest that borders the highway. So you can't see the town, you can't see the highway, you are inset. The lodge is a large building, once one of the three great manor houses whose estates took up all of which is now Mercy's Creek. The oldest house in the whole area, older than even the town halls and libraries by a long time. The first mansion to the east, which is where the lot is now built, burnt down a long, long time ago. The other one, which you know as the Hampton Mansion, is off in the north area, which is now owned by someone else, but is just slowly crumbling away. And there's this one, which someone has bothered to pour the money into keeping going and all that type of stuff. So this is the Salem Mansion, which is now the Salem Lodge. This is a large, regal building made of stone and dark wood with a ugly brick extension, but let's not mind that. We don't need to talk about that. There's a large deck that circles around the ground floor, large windows, three floors, and a slate roof tucked amongst many large firs. The car park is looking a a little bit shabby. Grass is growing between cracks in the concrete and a large neon sign that says Salem's Lodge squeaks as it turns near the road. And there is a little sign underneath it that's been tacked on that says Foxtel. (laughs) So Foxtel is included. You can see through the double doors off in the distance that lead into the lodge that the man behind the desk has seen you and has started taking down keys. So obviously knew you two were going to be arriving. What would you like to do? Uh, Just, I love the smell, I think, you know? The smell of mushrooms and mold. It's like the country smell, you know? Yeah, actually, like, it's kind of good that it doesn't smell like piss anyway. I've been 
just smelling smoke for, for so long and I, I forgot that I missed it this much. Yeah. Actually, yeah, you, can't, you are right. It is actually kind of nice. You know what my favourite part is? Not seeing the town through all these trees. Fair, fair, yeah. Awkward. <laughs> hey, is there? Are they growing basil in their parking lot? I think that's just a weed. So you go through the front doors of Salem's Lodge, which slide open. They are newer doors. They have stickers all over them saying that, hey, we got soda. Hey, we got this band performing on last two years ago. We got them performing. And another Foxtel sign. They got Foxtel. Yep, so you make your way through. It, oh, mm, it, mm, this is a nice place. Yeah, it's got a uh, brown carpet. Everything is panelled in wood. Unlike, just varnished wood. And it smells like it. It looks like it. There is a, like, a soda machine in the corner. There are large, uncomfortable-looking sofas all over the place and chairs, and everything is lit in a yellow light because every single light is yellow. <laughs> yes, Bud Humphrey. I just lean over to Jess. I take it back. <laughs> I don't miss the smell. Roll for smell. Roll for smell. <laughs> That's 12. Uh, we didn't decide whether 12 was good or not, so... I feel like if it... If I'm acting like it's bad, then yeah, that's, okay. a, that's 12. a god-awful smell. Um, so this smells like when someone burns a curry. Mm. And spices just... Spices can smell badder than yeah. anything when they get burnt. Hey, mmm. Mmm, mm, you're not sure if there's a kitchen here, but is you the, assume there's a kitchen here. Is the carpet browned or, or stained? I can't tell. Uh, roll for carpet. Roll for carpet. <laughs> is it... That's a six. Ah, uh, you get the feeling this might have been cream at some stage. <sighs> I don't know if I really want to stay here tonight or just brave facing my Jess, parents. Jess, roll for me. Okay. That's a three. Mm. Uh, okay. No, you don't see the uh, the cluster of cockroaches that were making up one big cockroach that now diffused into smaller cockroaches and have gone into the couches. <laughs> Their couches. They belong to them. <laughs> you guys walk you up to the front desk. Don't you, don't, you don't see it. The knowledge that it exists. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, you walk up to the uh, front desk. Great, well, uh, you see before you a... Uh, someone you, I believe you know. Um, he's his hair's all frazzled um, and looks like it could be balding, but he hasn't noticed yet. Um, he's got uh, some glasses on. He's got a pen um, on his ear and a, a notebook, like a notepad, on his in his pocket, um, and a nice checkered shirt. Yep. And he's uh, he's seen you guys, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you recognise this as John Campbell. So he was two years ahead of you in school. So you remember being in your senior years and him working. He worked at Harlow for a little bit. He mostly worked at Happy Stack, so you guys would see him there consistently. But he was generally friendly with you guys, but he was closest with Jack Finney. Hey, guys, how are you going? John! Yeah. Oh, it's been so long. It's been a while, man. Man, you're running <clears throat> this place now. Yeah. Crazy, eh? Man, that, yes, it is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Any chance our rooms are ready? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, all booked up um, upstairs. Cool. Uh, all newly renovated, so oh. you don't have to worry about whatever's going on down here. So Who it's you... not all like this. Oh, oh. no. Okay. <laughs> Who is your contractor? I I am not aware. John doesn't own this place, just checking that out there. John's like 28. <laughs> he doesn't own property. But he's going to just assume he owns this place because there's no one else here. It's like, man. It, it's all your fault. You're, you're a businessman now, I, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's nice. Got, got a kitchen in, in here? Yes, yeah, yeah. Cool. I might check it out later then. So I saw your foxtail. How many channels? How many channels? Six. <laughs> Six whole channels. Six whole channels. All of them are sports. Oh, no. <laughs> One of them's got to be news. One CNN. <laughs> sports no news. Sports news. <laughs> Was Disney Channel even a thing back then? Yes. Kennedy. They have American foxtail. Hey. Wowie. Basically, you've got the whole entrance area, and then you have two halls that go to either side. One seems to go to an entertainment eating area, the other goes off into what you would assume to be rooms. With your general knowledge of this place, you remember that basically the way this worked is that this whole area was for rent, but there are signs around that seem to be, not for rent, but you know, people would come in, stay a night. It was a bread and back. Bed, bed and breakfast motel type of thing. But with the signs around, it seems that things have changed a little bit. It now seems that the bottom floor is areas for truckers and all that type of stuff, for one-nighters, all that type of stuff. And the second floor is more of a longer stay area and for renters. And then the third floor, you have no idea. You assume that must be for the owner or for conventions or something like that. You're not like, completely sure. But uh, next to these, along these uh corridors on either side there are staircases that come up from the second floor and you see two women coming down from there and you recognize one of them more than the other but you still also recognize both you see ak and ok coming down the stairs um ak you would remember as the cousin of ok olivia kelly and amelia kelly um and liv is chatting away to amelia in return and as she turns back you can see that she is wearing the same a-line knee-length skirt with suspenders and white preppy schoolgirl shirt she still looks quite young she dresses like it too she doesn't seem to have changed a bit since the last time you saw her and um ak looks quite rough and tumble uh she's Definitely the gun-ho girl that you remember, um, but this time she's wearing a profes- professional blazer and she looks like she could be doing investigative journalism. She dresses for the job she wants. <laughs> yep, so you guys see each other from across the hall. Oh my god, she looks 12. Wait, who looks 12? Okay. <gasps> oh, it's... Hey! <gasps> Buddy! Live! Just run over, go for the hug. Bear hug. Liv totally returns the bear hug and, and just squeezes tight. AK and yep. AK, AK turns it into a handshake. <laughs> <laughs> turns it into, and then like there's a little like jujitsu of like pulling the handshake into like a clasped hug handshake, and, and oh, she brings like her the... hand on top of yours, <laughs> and then the like, clasped handshake, uh, pats on it, flips it around, yes. and then kind of pulls into like another awkward hug. Mm. And she's like slowly rotating around you, yep. getting closer to the door. Liv is hugging Jess and she kind of sees this happening and she, she just whispers to Buddy, it's okay, I can give you hugs. 
She won't. Uh, AK, like, immediately, like, disconnects from you lot, smiles at Jess, gives OK a thumbs up, is like, all right, you guys have fun. <laughs> and she's going to head to the, the door and leave. Bye. Well, she Bye, hasn't Amelia. changed. Bye. Have fun at your little reunion. Thank and she's gone. <laughs> uh, and she passes. Roll BJ for me. Roll BJ. Like roll, <laughs> roll for BJ. Roll for BJ. <laughs> this old man rolling up the uh, eight. You do not trip on your way in. Oh, nice. Tully Jackson arrives through the door carrying heaps of bags and what seems like a suit that's like a, an extra spare suit that is in complete length, but it's in a bag to like protect it. And he's wearing it over his shoulders so it doesn't get crumpled. Tully stands in the entrance and just like holds his arms up and there's a lot of shuffling of various fabrics and bags as he does so. And he's like, what's going on? What's going on, everyone? It's, hey, it's, 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 hey, what, hey. Breathe, Tully, one, breathe. As one of your bags hits the ground, you hear a crumpling sound and you're like, oh, my sun hat. That is a shame. <laughs> That's okay. Buddy just looks over no, and goes. No, I'm okay. Tully! Okay, buddy. Let, buddy runs uh, over. Yes, but I'm already lift, in the hug. He, he like drops all his bags. No, like I slip in and I'm like, here, let me get that for you. And I'm like, I slip the bags Thanks, off man. and like holding them, go for the hug, grab the bags. It's all smooth. What? You're you all know? here. I didn't know that you were all going to be here. You're all here. We're well, all here. Everybody is here. I'm here too. You're, you're all here. here. Well, yeah. well, wait, hold on, hold on. Why are you all here? Well, I mean, I'm living with AK. But Listen, when you... Oh, you live here. Yeah. You didn't escape like the rest of us. Well, I did, and then I That's came back shame. because I found deeper mm. hell out there. Sure. So sure. now I'm here. I just assumed I don't we're want to into that. all here for, mm. the, for, for yeah. the same reason. I'm assuming we all got the phone call. Well, when yeah. your best friend Jack Finney gives you a call, what you gonna do? You know, you gotta... Best friend? Wait, Tully. Yeah, my best friend Wait. forever, Jack Finney. You know Jack Finney. We yeah. went to school together, remember? We uh, all another, were another figure comes around behind Tully and like pats him on the shoulder as she comes around. <gasps> you see Willow Holmes come around and she mutters to herself, Someone clearly doesn't have favourites. <laughs> Hi. Hi, hello. hello everyone. Willow? Hey, hey Willow! Willow. Hello. And another hug. Hello. <laughs> Careful, that's Buddy. my suit there. Don't it's alright, it's fine. I have another hobbies. one. <laughs> After the hug, Liv just kind of like circles around Buddy to Willow and offers a hand to shake instead. Hello, hello. Hi. Jess Hi. just does this like two finger salute from the back. Yeah. Hello, Jess. And Good morning. I'm free. And Tully. Yeah, that's my name. Um, so where's Jack? Uh, didn't you think I'll call right now. Tully walks up to the reception desk. I should probably describe Tully. Uh, He's a medium height. He's he's fairly well built, but not quite so much as Buddy. Uh, He's wearing blue denim jeans, white sneakers, a pale cream colored dress shirt. Uh, that is the top button's open and there is no tie. Whether it went missing or there was never one there, you'll you'll probably never know. Uh, And a very kind of tattered, very cheap looking brown suit jacket over the top of that and uh, he has a some very long messy black hair uh, and sort of dark brown eyes and he walks up to the reception desk and like where's the bell they usually have a bell in a place like john campbell was standing right in front of you <laughs> <laughs> except you don't have a bell uh not on this floor no do i know you yes 
John Campbell. Hey, that's right. Reading the name tag. He's moved up in the world, my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He then looks at you in the eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you used to work at Happy Stacks or uh, on and off? Ah, that's right. Hey, listen, if you got a phone, I need to make a call. Yeah, uh... He just holds up the hand, like, it holds it up between the two of you, cheek to cheek. (laughs) (laughs) It's too real. He thinks, man. Tully listens to the dial tone for about 15 seconds and then hands it back to John, turns around. Does anybody here know Jack's number? Oh, yeah, I got it. You know it? Yeah. Uh, Then I pull out a little, little notebook. With all of these numbers and names, and I flick through. Oh, that's uh, D E uh, F. All right. Uh, you know, he's had that notebook since we were at school. Willow is looking at the notebook. Willow Holmes uh, is wearing basically just a full, uh, full suit, basically, with a what looks like a turtleneck underneath it, a black turtleneck with a full suit, and her hair is tied back, and she's looking at us like, How do you have my number? <laughs> How do you how do you have my number? Well, I just called up Margaret from 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 the uh, Rotary Club, and and she uh, directed me to to uh, another person who directed me to another person, who eventually directed me to uh, your parents, who then could give me your number. Why would they give me my number out? To... Well, are, are you we not say friends? Strangers? Have you even Are we friends? Card? It's yeah, been yeah, ten years. I tried calling. Charlie walks over to Bud and takes the thing and then passes it and he's like, here you go, uh, and then looks down the name tag. John Campbell, who I definitely know. Superman. That, uh, <laughs> you dial that number right there. Yeah, sure thing. Thank you, my friend. Yes. Uh, as you were doing that, uh, another car pulls up in the car park and you see Jack Finney and Chuck Marsh getting out of the car. Tully uh, is trying to point out the various numbers uh, in this, like, flick through, because he's lost the page of the number, and then he sees them pull up in the car park, and he's like, there they are! And throws, like, drops the the receiver, but because it's been stretched all the way to his side of the counter, it just rebounds and just hits... What's your name? John Campbell? Is that right? It hits John just, like, in the body. I don't know. Um, and then he, like, walks outside to greet the other two that have just pulled up. Got a six, so it hits him, like, in the chest, bounces back onto the desk, and there's a crack. <laughs> but it's still together. You're not sure which part of it cracked, whether it was him or the phone, <laughs> but something cracked. Jack exits the car and sees you all in there and extends a hand in welcome. Uh, does anyone like to roll an investigation? Sure. Sure. What are we rolling, though? Uh, D12. Do you that twelve. Oh wow. Three. Seven. I got a three. Okay. I'm just thinking about how much I want to hug Jack. We have pluses, don't we? Friendship. Oh yeah. Uh, she got a natural yeah. twelve, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. Okay, cool. None of you. Otherwise, that's yeah. a intelligence we're adding on, but then another plus yeah. two, so then that's fourteen. Yeah. Okay. So the rest of you, are you, that's the person we've been waiting for. It's those two. Okay, great. We can work out what's going on. Uh, Jess, you can tell that Jack is not right. There is a shake in his hand as he's waving at you. The bags under his eyes indicate he has not slept. Maybe this week. Right. Uh, there is a, a, a kind of... His lips are really pale. They're really light. 
Uh, looks like he hasn't been home or brushed his teeth in days. It looks like he's just completely let himself go this month, it seems. His clothes are hanging loosely on him as he's walking up to the uh, main entrance. So Jack is wearing a tweed jacket, a suit jacket, a pair of jeans, and a, a jumper underneath it. As it's, it, The days aren't cold. But they're not warm. Like, you could be outside in a t-shirt, but you'd feel a bit more comfortable wearing a long sleeve or something like that. You haven't crossed that threshold yet in autumn. But yeah. So, they walk in and he claps his hands together. Jack! Hey, guys. Hey, Jack. Hey. I'm free. Jackson? You're, you're here. Hi. Hello. You're all, you all made it. Yes, he, he has a folder. Did. He has a folder under his arm as well. Liv just Good. standing there like, made it to what? <laughs> Good. Um, uh, John, you said we could have the, the dining room to ourselves, yeah? Yes, cool. Upstairs. Upstairs? Well, it depends on what, what we'll just go whichever one, Whichever one's empty. Upstairs. Okay. Okay, so Jack leads and you traipse upstairs along this brown carpet and uh, buddy you notice every step you take uh, the carpet gets lighter until you reach cream carpet on the second floor (laughs) 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 the level of stain somehow just decreases Um, you cross through along this uh, hallway and around another and you go into what seems to be kind of an open room could be for a dying thing but it is just a, a large empty room and Jack there are wooden chairs piled high along the sides and Jack grabs one and pulls it into the middle. What would you guys like to do? Uh, Tuck has sort of let Jack go first and he sort of slunk in behind him as people are moving. He hasn't greeted anyone. He hasn't acknowledged anyone. When he gets into the room, he just moves into um, the wall, just sort of leans against the wall near the door to be out of people's line of sight. Yep. Liv basically didn't. She saw that Tuck William hadn't introduced himself to anyone or said hello to anyone, and she just kind of slinked in behind him and tailed him. And when he leaned against the wall, she was like, eh, shrugged, leaned against the wall as well. <laughs> uh, he he smiles weakly. He looks more tired and dishevelled than before. Okay, okay. I'm okay. How are you doing? I don't want to be here. Mm. Funnily enough, we've got the whole losers club. You look like you could use some sleep. Fun times. Mm. Tully walks through the door. <laughs> um, right when you said losers club, he walks through the door, <laughs> uh, bashes something against the door frame. He's like, so, so Jack, I mean, what gives? You got to... I'm assuming you're going to do the whole, hey, everybody, welcome thing, you know, but uh, you're going to... I'll shut up now. I'll just... Yep. Jack waits for you all to gather around and he calls Jack, um, he calls um, Tuck and OK over from the wall so that you're all kind of nearby. And the room is quite dimly lit. It feels halfway between like you know, a carpeted lounge room and a school cafeteria in a way, just a really large area with like a serving area off to the side. And there is a moment as you all kind of stand in the middle of this room, none of you notice it but there is just a moment with the way the light is cast from different lamps your shadows just seem ever so small as for the first time in nearly a decade you are all back together you are surrounded by these small shadows 
You know what I think we need? And I reach back, I pull a little box, put it in the center of the table, carefully lift off the lid, and there's just a, some nice little little sweet confectionaries. They're like very, they're very nicely done. They got little little like 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 decorations and you can't they're the kind of sweets you can't tell what they are by just looking at them, but you know they're sweet. It's like, just some food for the table, guys. And you brought that. Feel free. Yeah. You with you? Yeah. I mean, I, I assembled it like I don't know, ten minutes ago, but like you know, uh, I didn't bring it like this. It would have fallen apart. <laughs> My goodness. This is amazing. This is, can I take like three more of these? Oh yeah, I've got Thanks. another box. Oh, okay. Wow, buddy, you this, really haven't changed. Not, this box changed. is worse though. It's okay. I'll have some of those. Yeah. So as you are all now sitting around, some standing, some sitting, Jack nods at Buddy as a thank you, and then uh, I wouldn't have called you all here if it wasn't of the utmost importance. I know you're all out there living your lives, doing your stuff, so I haven't asked you back here for some shitty reunion or anything. This is about Mercy's Creek. I don't have anywhere else to turn. I've brought it up so many times with my boss, Dr. King, but he's just so busy. Whenever I bring it up, he just says, we aren't their therapist, son. All we do is give them tic-tacs and tell them to come back if it keeps hurting. But this is getting out of hand, and I... I think I'm losing my mind. But... Details, the facts, let's start with them. You can decide if I'm crazy after. But just listen to what I have to say. You guys know me. You know I'm not a fool. And I don't crack easily, but... This has really shaken me. <clears throat> Two months ago, Dr. King was out. He goes away for a few days every week to give lectures at Hillcrest University. So I man the place. Cheryl only comes in Mondays and Tuesdays now that her arthritis has gotten so bad. So the, rent, the rest of the time, I'm, I man it on my own. It was a busy day. Scraped knee here, broken finger there, cough that won't go away, flu, last of the hay fever. It was six. I was packing up my things when she came to the door. Betty Trast. You guys might not remember Betty, but she sat behind me in Humphrey in history. She had the biggest crush on you, Tully. She... She did? Yeah, she used to send me notes asking me questions about you. Don't worry, I only lied. I only said nice things. Um, I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. She, she never said anything to me, did no, she? No, she's not that type of person. But she's a good one. She's made of sturdy stuff. She's got a will of iron just like her old man. So it was shock... It was shocking when she came to my door in such a state. I've never seen such a shattered person. She was distraught. It took me 15 minutes before she stopped hyperventilating and crying. She, she was nearly in full panic attack mode. I finally got her to talk in full sentences. And the story she told me, well, it would make most sci-fi writers kick themselves for not coming up with something so clever. She told me she thought she was going mad. That she had nowhere to go and no one to talk to and that I'd always been so nice and she knew I would at least listen. She told me that there was something wrong with her folks. I said, what, like the flu? 
Has her father been smoking again despite what Dr. King warned her? She cut me off. No, 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 she said, nothing like that. So I was confused. I said to her, what's the matter then? She said they were perfectly fine. Too fine. She told me her parents weren't acting right. Told me her parents, and there's no way, good way to put this, she told me her parents were not her parents. I asked her, I said, how do you mean? She said she couldn't explain it. And I'll be honest, I got a little short with her. I said, Betty, have you, have you been drinking? Is this a dare or something? And she started crying again. She tried to leave. I apologized and I calmed her down again. She said she couldn't explain it. All that she could say was something wasn't right with her folks. Not, not surface level, not on the skin, but deeper. She said it again and again. Their eyes just weren't right. I tried to humor her. I asked if she tried quizzing them. See if there's any blank spots in knowledge and all that type of stuff. If anyone else was somehow replacing them, then there would be blank spots. After all, there's always those sayings about everyone has a doppelganger. See, she, she said she had. And guess what? They remembered everything they were supposed to. Down to the color of her childhood tricycle and to when she got... So much gum stuck in her hair at kindergarten and it took them weeks to get it out. They remembered everything. So there's your answer, Betty. This is clearly an emotional reaction. Maybe you feel distant to them or maybe it's a feeling of being detached from the community and it's coming out like this. But she shot me down. She... Well, she got angry at me. She asked if I thought she was stupid. I said no. I mean, she was top of her class and that's with me in the same class. She's a brilliant young woman. She told me she knew how it sounded, but it was the truth. Their eyes. Their eyes just weren't right. It's really stuck with me, you know? It's the way she said them. I haven't slept well since that night. Their eyes. Anyway, I didn't believe a word of it. But I knew I couldn't send her out on her own, so I said I would come home for dinner with her and I'd make a professional assessment of them. Hell, I've known both her parents for a, a very long time. I'd know if anything was up. She said okay, so I gave her something to drink and phoned up her folks. You, you go, you know Arnold Trust. You know him as well as I do. He gave me and Tully our first jobs. We practically spent a whole summer with that wrinkly old man. So I called him up and we get to talking and he invites me up for dinner. Exactly what I wanted. I took Betty home and I stayed for dinner. Want to know what I found? No Scooby-Doo mask to pull up. No lizard tongue tasting his pasta bake. No demon horns. Old Arnold sat there, smoking his pipe, ignoring Dr. King as always, smoking exactly how he always did, and spent the entire night thoroughly embarrassing me with stories of how you and me broke the container holding the gas bottles and let ten five-litre gas bottles go rolling down into the main street. And you, Tully, just ran for it. He was going to belt us both, but fell over laughing when you tripped over one of the gas bottles and fell flat on your face halfway down the main street while I just stood there watching the carnage. He said we were the worst and best employees he ever had because none of it ever, like, entertained him as much. I still have a scarf from that. <laughs> just right, right there. So you know what I found? I found old Arnold 
laughing in his hoarse way with his crooked smile and squinting eyes. And Agatha Troust cooked the exact same pasta bake that she would cook for all the actors in the school play. Case solved. That's what I thought till a week later. Betty came to see me again, and you know what she did? She apologised for the night she had come to visit me. Apologised for acting so crazy, and she invited me to come for dinner again. Said they were having some guests around, and she wanted me there. I made up some excuse and spent the night spots. But that's when I knew something was wrong. Betty is an emotional, volatile girl. She always has been. But she's never been ashamed of that. So her doing that, trying to wipe it all away with no explanation, no nothing, it didn't sit right with me. But that isn't what has scared me so much. Over the past two months since then, I've had 22 people come up to me and give me similar stories. My daughter isn't acting right. My uncle isn't himself. My mama is an imposter. My dad just ain't himself. Their eyes... And what has really freaked me out is that every single one of them has come up to me since and apologised for what they said and told me it was nothing of concern. So. That's the story. Betty Troust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the reason why I've asked you all here, you still have ties in Mercy's Creek. You have people here who you know better than anyone else, even if it has been a few years, and that makes you guys the perfect for a little experiment. Experiment. You will be able to tell if anything is wrong. I'm an insider. I have never left. I know everyone here, and I'm blind because of that. You guys were insiders, and you've left, and you've come back, but you still have the knowledge of insiders. You can see if something's wrong, something I can't see, because there is something wrong. 23 people in two months does not just happen. When was the last time you slept? What's I have to do with this? Jack, are you okay? Am I? No! Does any of this sound okay? Well... I didn't want to drag any of you back here. But I have to. Because there's no other option. No one else is listening to me. Alright, alright. So now what? What do you want us to do? Just walk down Main Street... Talk to everyone. Be like, "Hey, I'm back." Look, 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 look deeply to into their eyes. Clearly, you know, I think what Jack has expressed is that he's had a very distressing time. And even if you know, if we're not even gonna do anything, at least we're here and we can help him out, support him. You know. I... Yeah. All right. Tuck steps forward. Uh, look, I reckon I can translate what Tully is saying. Jack is blackmailing all of us because he's a paranoid mess and he wants us to come and do some dirty work and snoop on all the townspeople that we don't really know or care about anymore. 
So uh, my bet is just go and mingle with a bunch of people and tell Jack whatever the hell you like, and then we leave. Does that sound about right, Jack? Does that sound about <clears throat> the the equation that I've got here? That, you know, for once in your life, well, I agree with you. That's not what I said. Well, if that's all I can get from you, then that's all I'll take. It's more than you deserve, Jack, and I think you know it. Yeah, so, um... They had a soda machine downstairs. Anyone? I'm I'm actually on my way to close the florist shop. I uh, it's closing time, and you want a closing time soda? At, when I come back. Yep. Yeah, I, I have to go close the store. You'll yeah you'll go and then then you'll after you. Tully, shut up. Jack. Oh yeah. I want this to be over as fast as is humanly possible. I have my own mess to figure out at home. I don't want to be here with all of you. I don't want to be in this town again. So you tell me, what is the fastest way I can get you off my back? Have a walk around. I'll see you at dinner. Spots pub. And Jack is going to get up and walk out of the door. Hey, Jack, just before you leave, just so I can help the best I can, mm-hmm. uh, Mabel Goss. Yes. Uh, whereabouts would she be at this time? Mabel would be at the cafe. Okay, thank you. Okay. See ya. Bye-bye. Yo, uh, Will, you want to go have a smoke? Yes. Yep, let's do that. <clears throat> Willow, Willow's still sitting in her chair, like, stroking her chin looking at the folder that Jack left and Did you, do you scoops want soda? it up. They have no, a soda machine downstairs. No, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Well, it ruins your teeth. And she's going to pick up the folder and leave as well. to cut to in the main street as Olivia Kelly is walking out of her florist shop. Not her florist shop. Not her florist shop, out of the florist (laughs) shop. The florist shop. She works part-time for the florist grocer combo. Um, As OK walks out and Amelia Kelly is coming down the street and waves at her. Hello. Uh, Hi. Um, AK, you, you won't believe what Jack just sat us down to tell us. Hold on. You you wouldn't happen to know anything about Jack's situation, would you? Because you just... You you left Maybe me in the hallway. Just a little bit. AK. He tried to talk to me about it, and I said he was... Oof, oof, what did I say? Mm, I won't repeat. Mabel Goss is too close. She'll get mad. Um... Yeah, he tried to talk to me about. It. He wanted like a little, a little advert in the newspaper to try and 
you know, talk to anyone about it. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I was actually just uh, about to head off to do. Uh, do you know where Jack is? Uh, well, we're going to catch up with um, Buddy and them at the cafe and then head over to Spot's pub for dinner um, if you want to join us. Uh, no, I'll take a miss. I am going over to Jack's house. I'm going to go look in his bin. Uh, I'm going to Mil- go... Millie. Millie, I can't cover your back this time. No, it's under... It's under... War? I don't know, the bins are out. You still need a lookout, Mill. No, we'll be fine. You Mill? Just, I'll be fine. I, he'll be coming in the car. If his car's not there, I know I can have a little peek. If it's there, I'll just wait for him to go. It's, it's chill. So there's something like, if I find syringes in Jack Daniels' bottles, I know that I don't need to place the ad. <laughs> Like, you can tell a lot by a crazy person from their being. And and what if you don't find anything? Uh, just means he's uh, tidying things really a lot better. Now, now look in his shed. He's going shed. Anyway, won't keep you. Bye. Okay, She's gonna start bye, walking down. Bye. <laughs> we follow Liv across the street as she comes up to the cafe. So the cafe is built in. It's kind of like there was a larger building here and then they put up a wall and it's now in like the corner of the building and they put two like doors into these what were just brick walls for people to come in. So it's like a triangulate, like triangle shaped cafe and it's got some books in there. It's quite, it's quite nice. Um, little tin tables and all that type of stuff and they've got a serving window that they open and close and you can see Mabel Goss, uh, basically like a pillar of the community type of person is... Uh, talking to some people at one table, and it's it's pretty busy. It's it's getting around to closing time, like it's three or four o'clock in the afternoon. People aren't really drinking coffee, but the scones are still going down. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, where's Bud? Uh, well, Bud is walking down the street towards the cafe. Yep. Um, first, Buddy is definitely wary of what Jack said. A little on the fence of how much is true, how much is not true, but. He wants to be honest to his friend. He wants to help out. So he, I would like to, to check the street to see if I can notice anything weird or peculiar. With uh, Seven, do I see anything walking down the street? Uh, Mercy's Creek is as chaotic as ever. Um, no one knows how to use uh, turning signals. Uh, everyone's just diving out of the way of each other as they're turning and crisscrossing. There are no turning circles. There are no lights. Everything's just a T intersection or like uh, anything like that. It's a bit of a disaster. Um, you can see uh, Darcy Whitaker, the old sheriff, is sitting on the steps of the library, smoking, watching all of this chaotic traffic. <laughs> um, you see the old man who was driving the ute before walking his Labrador up the street. The Labrador is still glaring at you. <laughs> Seems to have, like, specifically honed in on you. And it's just like, the hell is that man? Who dare you? And then you also notice that the owner's doing the same thing. <laughs> They're like mimics of each other. They're both just, what the hell? Who the hell is that? Uh, uh, they round a corner and the dog seems to, its head just seems to keep following you. <laughs> it's like He's walk- been dead for 20 years. <laughs> it's like walking as an angle so it can keep watching you. Um, yeah, it's same as ever. All right, same old mercy. Uh, what? Step into the cafe and I see Mabel. Uh, you, as you step in, you bump into a very large, round man. Oh. And you recognize this immediately as Cornelius Mendoza, the head selectman. 
Oh. So he was head selectman back after Tuck Marsh's father was uh, like dethroned as head selectman. He replaced mm. his uh, William's father. Yeah. Oh, Cornelius. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love your voice, Cornelius. I think I love this. Sorry for bumping into you. My goodness. How have you been? Yeah, pretty good. Just uh, walking around the place. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. Uh, kind of. It's a lot to be back. Uh, Cornelius is a massive man, and he's holding the smallest little bag of scones, this tile thing, and like an espresso. <laughs> so they're both just these. T- and he's holding them like this, one in each hand, like, like T Rex. Yeah, it's like. Ah, ah. And it's all like chin movement. Ah, ah. <laughs> like, what's been going on? How's your life been? How how? How's your wife? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Uh, possibility of running for a mayor. Mayor? Yeah, pretty good. That is, is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Warwick, Warwick has been dethroned <laughs> as the best character of the show. <laughs> Can this entire show just be? Can this just be the Buddy and Cornelius show? Must <laughs> have been the Cornelius and Warwick. Mm, yeah. Why not all three? Why do we have to exclude one? Wiki. <laughs> hey, what's up, My... Dark? How's nothing's spinning? Uh, can I roll to see if I just notice anything about him straight off the bat? Sure. One, no, one. six. Sorry, um, the French. You don't there. even notice that his hair's great. And he's a bit older, as like all this type of stuff. Like he's not, he's he's ten years older than the last time you saw him. I give him a good old pat on the back. Like you haven't aged a day past whatever age you were when I saw you last time. And if you lost weight, <laughs> <laughs> wait, Cornelius, hang on. Have you lost weight? Ah, maybe a bit. Yeah. Bit of weight. Oh, just a tiny bit. You look good, slim. Oh, look like trim. I can almost. I can. I, I feel like I, I can see. Some muscle through the through the shirt. Oh, you flatter me so much, buddy. Oh, it's good. It's good to have a male with such a a, a built-in defined physique. Back. You know. Oh, sorry, I'm keeping you though. Please, please. Oh God, welcome back to Mercy's Creek. Oh, thank you, thank you, and also welcome back. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, you too. You too. Okay, this uh, uh, equally <laughs> awkward interaction splits. Um. Um, as Cornelius moves through the door and kind of like does this weird shuffle. I was just going to say, okay, like peers around a corner, takes a picture, says, oh, well, hot scoop. <laughs> Goes back. Yeah. Uh, AK or OK? Uh, AK. Okay. Well, well, hot scoop. Yeah. Uh, Mendoza's talking to an outsider. Oh, I gotta think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy the outsider. <laughs> yeah, as they do this weird shuffle around each other to kind of Because they're both Buddy... way too big to get through they're the door. They're both oh, yeah. way too big to get through the door. <laughs> yeah. so I'm trying to like hold the door them. open for him while Cornelius also like reaches for the door to open it up for me. <laughs> and we're like... They finish this big, strong man huddle jiggle And they both thing. got their shoulders up. It's yeah. almost like a T-pose there. It's like, yeah, yeah, nice seeing you. Yeah. Under all the circumstances, shoulder down, relax. Second we see each other. Cornelius! <laughs> I feel like Cornelius would have had to have been like the, the peewee football coach. Oh, no, you don't even know. He's played rugby his entire life. Oh, wow. That's his entire character. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so then Liv finally spots Buddy because Cornelius's outline was blocking him entirely. 
<laughs> and um, then she waves him over to the booth where she sat down. Buddy. Oh, hey, Liv. Hi. Hi, hi. Oh, have you ordered yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I thought maybe you would know better mm. what to order. Oh, what are you feeling like? What kind of drink are you... It's a bit late for coffee, maybe. It is a little bit late for coffee. But then again, I I actually function quite well on caffeine even late at the night, so. Thick shake with a shot of coffee? Oh, Nespresso thick shake. All right, yeah. That sounds good. I'll be right back. And then I'm going to head over to where uh, Mabel is. Mabel waves you on to the woman behind the desk. Oh, okay. Um, I'm I'm talking, love. Just just talk to Stella. uh, All right. Talk to you in a bit, Mabel. All right. Yeah, uh, how do you know my... Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm talking to Stella. Yep, so you go over to the, the front desk and there is a woman there who is currently unloading uh, piles and piles of the wrong jam into other containers <laughs> that are now labelled the correct name for the jam. So, hello. Hi. Um, actually, you know what? I'm just going to... And then Buddy's going to make his way around the counter. Uh, no, just, no, no, you can order from back fine. there. No, it's not fine. No, no, I, I've done this before. You don't need to tell okay. me it's fine. I know it's not fine. <laughs> it's like pull it reaching for a gun. <laughs> <laughs> reaching for the shotgun. But he's just going to start making uh, a thick shake with an espresso shot. He's like, it. no, you, you know what? You're busy. I'll do it. I'll you're do busy. It. Look, you're, you've got so much jam to sift through there. Yeah, yeah, I can so see much that. Jam. Just let me take care of this. I, I know my, what I'm doing. I lost my engagement ring in it, and I don't know where it is. <laughs> I have been sieving it for an hour. I will get you a magnet. I don't know if that will work. Don't think that would work. There's too much jam. There's too I'm much. I'm like also making, making the jam. thick shake as I'm like consoling. You know, that's that's really hard, you know? That's... You, if you want to, like, do you want to talk about it? Like, I don't want to talk to the value. No, no. Look, like, I imagine it's going to be a hard conversation. Just go. I am making I'm the shake. It's okay. My- and she's like, puts down one empty container and picks up another one, starts funneling it through the sieve. Within that twelve, can I just see the ring in like the jam container? Yeah. Uh, hey, third from the left, two, two, two back. Is that it in in that one? She looks through it. That's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fiance's. <laughs> Jared, what have you been doing? <laughs> Both of them have lost their engagement rings in the jam. And the man, the, the guy who's clearly the chef, comes out. I was like, I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> but I lost mine as well. Did the jam. It's like, I don't How know. Many engagement rings are in but the jam. But he like, brings up like, like a, a jammy hand and he's got hers on. I, like, I found yours. I wasn't going to bring it up because then I was going to admit that I lost mine. Uh, <laughs> An argument, start, an argument starts there and you leave with your thick okay, shakes. Okay, bye. I leave like a 20 on the counter, you know. You, is... He served himself. I served himself. It's like, it's like all tip. Mm. Just a $20 tip. Okay, you need this. You need, okay. You've had a rough day. Uh, at this point, Tully Jackson walks in the window. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> walks in the window. It's one of those glass. doors that's all glass next to our window. It's all glass. Like, there's yeah. like, no, there's just a resounding thunk, and then you hear the sound of Cornelius Mendoza laughing from across the street. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> 
It's another snip. May I such a mistake? Yeah, just the AK. Another photo. Well, <laughs> May I laugh? Laughs at, May I laugh? Disabled man. <laughs> <laughs> he had a career and then he lost it. But he's not even the mayor yet. Would be mayor. Would be mayor. <laughs> former mayor. He's never been mayor, but former mayor. Okay, uh, Tully Jackson walks into the window. <laughs> then walks through the door and he's like, no, that's absolutely fascinating. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that, that Krill was such a untapped... Oh, hey, hey, uh... Hey, he's, like, waving to, to the other two. And he's, like, walks... He's like, oh, there's, a, there's a random 20 on this counter. Oh, well, I guess I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I gotta roll to see if Lynn Somebody's lost a 20. Okay, so it's an 11. Would I have any pluses to observing... You got, you're rolling did, you, did you see? Yeah, yeah you see. None you see. of us have uh, cool. character sheets. He's not trying to hide it. Oh, yeah, we don't have character sheets. Yeah. Free money. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't uh, they? Yeah, you see it. So Liv immediately, she's like, Tully, no, put that back. Yeah. So anyway, how? how Tully, did what? What did I do? That was a tip. Put it back. It's not on the chip. Tip job. Tip. Don't put in the tip job. What were you doing? Tully, no, no, if you're just gonna. <laughs> is that a New Zealander? Is it? Is it? Is just some random guy walks up and he's just like, well, actually. There's, an- there's another chef behind the counter. Took a cinnamon strudel. <laughs> oh no, it's him! <laughs> and there's a, there's a little kid, there's a kid staying next to him. Would you like a cinnamon strudel? No, they're heaps yum. They're heaps yum. Mum, mum, look how heaps yum they are. It's got a rat's tail. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so yeah, Liv just, Uh, she kind of like signals towards Buddy. She's like. It's fine, it's fine. Tully, what's your drink? Bud, Buddy, I would love. We leave through the window that uh, Tully walked into there's a nose print where his nose banged into it and we go through there we travel up the main street and we find Tuck and Jess walking and smoking Tuck is heading for the supermarket Sheriff Darcy like yells at you both hey stop smoking <laughs> now I'm good for you youngins anyway yep so you're going to the bargain mart kill over and die hello Tuck Marsh there you go Keep walking, old man. I'm not walking, I'm sitting. Yeah, you can't walk. He hates it when I do the voice. Yeah. I don't sound like that. (laughs) Yeah, you do. No, I don't. (laughs) Tucky's here. Yeah, as Tucky's not really making small talk or conversation. Yeah. Um, When we get to the supermarket, I want to roll to see if I can see the rat. Nat 12. He's there. He's We're... pushing another bunch of trolleys into one of those, like, trolley lines as, like, putting his whole back into pushing it up this, because it's a bit of a slope of the car park. Hey, Jess, you remember, um... You remember in school when someone would owe me money and you would help me get them in a corner? <gasps> of course. Yeah, yeah, same play. Uh... Tuck is going to walk up to the rat as he's pushing, um, like, a selection of these trolleys, like, into their little, whatever, little corral where they're kept. Just go, hey, ratty boy. When he turns around, Tuck is going to flick the cigarette at his face. Roll to hit. With advantage. I assume you've done this before. Uh, it's six. Uh, it hits him in the chest. 
Hey, buddy, what can I do you for? Oh, you can do it for that 20 bucks that you still owe me. You remember that? Nope. Yeah, Tuck's moving in closer than he should. Oh. And See, Jess is like, I remember. On the side. And she just like appears from like behind, like right over your shoulder. You can like um, feel the warmth of her cigarette like near your ear. I'm gonna like try and corral him into the little like stockade thing that you put all the trolleys in. You know, like those bars and stuff oh, like that. So yes. I'm try and corral him like into it so oh, yeah. he can't escape. Wow, I'm suddenly remembering. Yeah. Uh. Um, and probably like fun, 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 roll, fun. roll to see if you have oh, a twenty. <laughs> oh no! Tell you have a twenty. Oh, that's no, that's roll a d twenty and whatever is number is, how much money you have. Okay. Uh, yeah, you pull out a 20 and accidentally drop three more 20s on the ground. <laughs> you snatch them back <laughs> up and you hand the 20 to him. Oh, thanks, man. So you're still moving in closer. <laughs> so it's been a while. How you doing? Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's great. Still working here. Yeah. Yeah. Doing so uh, what's the word? I mean, you always, you know, the king of news. Yeah. Yeah, um... You're looking a little sweaty there, buddy. Yeah, really. Come Hot on, day, right? I guess. Yeah, autumn, hmm? Mm-hmm. So what's the word? Anything I should know? Back in town for a bit. Uh, well, uh, Nothing. Nothing? Yeah. No. Nothing going on. Well, Mabel Goss had an affair. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm excited to explore that opportunity at a cafe setting. That's a, that's a chewy little morsel there, Rat Boy. Tell me, anything about people acting weird? Anyone off their salt? You know, just anyone acting the way they shouldn't? Any goss? Have you heard anything about Jack? How's Jack doing? Is Jack going okay? Jack's Jack, man. No, no one knows what he's doing. He's doing his own thing. Really? Really? I heard his marriage fell apart. Wait, he got married? Yeah, didn't you know? Gosh, you're not quite as across as I thought. Um, Maybe you missed a set, rap boy. This man, you know it's not high school, right? It's I not. do my own thing. I, ma- I paint Warhammer. That's my thing, man. <laughs> what a nerd! Like, come on, man, grow up. This isn't high school anymore. Tuck is like right in your personal space, and your back is like up, is like pressing into the handlebars yeah. of the trolley. Jess really? is sitting on one of like the bars now, just kind of vibing. Really, it's not high school. I could have sworn this whole situation, you, me, Jess, this feels so familiar. It's hard to believe mm. that it isn't the same. Just like mm, yesterday. Yeah. Haven't seen. I want to make an intimidation check. (laughs) Two of advantage because there's two of you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's only a five. He thinks realistically the rat. He's a bit flustered by this, but he just thinks it's kind of sad. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's twenty bucks. Yeah, I guess it's an hour of my life, but like. Uh, Tuck's gonna realizing this that hasn't worked. Is gonna um, start putting a cigarette in his mouth and lighting it. So um. You make good money here? It's alright. You wanna make some better money? Ooh, I'll get back to you on that. I don't know how much longer they want me, but. Listen, I'll give you four times what you make in a day if you can tell me what's going on around here. 
And I mean all the news, Rap Boy. I mean every little bit of it. I want to know who's quitting what job, who's failed the business, which marriage is really over, though they're pretending it's not. Every little bit you can get, and I will pay you four times what you make in a day. If it's worth it. Tuck slowly, like, reaches an arm around the rat, who's still kind of bumbling a little bit, and the two of them with Jess start to walk out of the car park. now to a classic vintage looking American looking diner. Happy Stacks. It's not Chester. a Happy Stacks. They can't all be Happy Stacks. <laughs> yes they can. It's not like McDonald's. Okay, we, <laughs> it is. But, um, what's, how can you make a fake Johnny's. Glad Stacks. Whatever. We crane down the Glad Stacks. Happy Stacks main competition in this region. They've absolutely in Canada. <laughs> they've absolutely butchered them everywhere else, but they're still going in Canada. We crane down and through one of these windows as we see a well, we see two men sitting in a booth. Descriptive. Descriptive, descriptive. I don't know how to describe right. one of them at this stage in his life. The first <laughs> uh, the first of the men is is of a medium height and a very slight build. Um, he has sort of feathered dark hair um, and a kind face. This is Reverend Pevensey. Uh, in his younger years, uh, he does not look greatly different, except there's sort of less grey and stress lines and age. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Uh, the other man is probably twice his size. He is Six foot seven, maybe. Okay. Uh, I'd say 150 kilos, mostly of muscle. Mm. What's, uh, that, what's that in stones? Several. <laughs> stones. Several large stones. Stones over the River Thames. <laughs> several large stones. He is shaped like a Dorito. He is very triangular in build, very wide shoulders. Uh, he has a chiseled jaw. What do they call it? Like a cleft chin? That, that yeah. thing? Mm that happens um, and where we are normally uh, we're used to Warwick having uh, being bald I think balding I balding yeah I imagine it was like one of those yeah <laughs> unfortunate uh, he currently like grandpa from Rugrats he currently has he currently has a very luxurious uh, dirty blonde pompadour because he is how much 30 years younger he's about 30 years younger yeah, yeah. it's um, a while roughly 30 years younger yeah <laughs> And he would be he would be in his late twenties, early thirties here, mm. early thirties here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's he's sampling the black coffee and the pancakes. Mm. All right. Let's uh, let's roll for roll. we'll roll separately for black coffee and for pancakes. I'll <laughs> I'll roll for the coffee. You roll for pancakes. The coffee has a bitter overtaste, and it's clearly just been in one of those pots that's just constantly boiling. Mm. So, like, everything in it is burnt. <laughs> the American way. <laughs> Pancakes are all right, though. How long are we supposed to wait here? So, you and Pevensey were selected because you currently have no students and you currently were not on no missions. 
Uh, so you were to selected to go and help the American equivalent of Tyr called the Agency. So the Agency, uh, rarely, because your relationship is often in a frosty position, asks for help when they need when they are basically leaving the American borders on pursuits of hunts or different investigations because they because they are a government organization, they do mm-hmm. not have any form of... International jurisdiction. International jurisdiction, whereas T, because they are a private company, they have a greater deal of that. So yep. if they plan to make any sort of arrest or capture or anything like that, they need T as basically international representatives to... Um, like the UN and all that, for the arrest to actually mean anything. So yep. they've called you here yep. because you guys are free. Uh, you were given generally a sometime in the morning time. So helpful. Warwick woke up at 4 a.m. and has been waiting ever since. Uh, he went for a 5K jog. Yep, that's about it. Okay. <laughs> He's just been standing like looking out the window ever since. Yeah, and Pevensey uh, got tired of him standing around, so it's now taking him out. Yeah, dinner. so they've been, here, for they've been here for a while, as Pevensey sort of explains. Well, you know that we weren't given the time. We're just waiting on the Americans. Ah! Yes, that is normally how it works in my experience. But they need us because they're not in the Commonwealth. <laughs> Bet they wish they'd thought about that differently. Gosh, this coffee's bad. Oh, is that them now? You see a large black car pull into the car park. It is so ostentatious. It is so obvious. <laughs> it is way too just like, that's a federal car. Yeah. <laughs> Warwick is looking between the like the slick black sedan and their like grey paddle van that they rented <laughs> from the airport. <laughs> Budgets. <laughs> <laughs> the doors throw open and you guys make your way out of the small diner to meet them. Two smallish men get out. They're probably 5'10". They're shorter than Pevensey. They are perfectly identical twins. One of them sees you and raises a hand and walks over and he extends a hand out. Fabian, sir. Wonderful ah. to meet you both. Pleasure's all mine. He shakes Who's your, your friend? Shakes your hand. Shakes uh, Pevensey's like, that's my brother. And you look over ah. just as he spits and look and like glares at you both and like crosses his arms and leans back. He's like, he doesn't like Tia that much. Right. Good to know. You see, Who tried the coffee? Fabian's, uh, diner coffee? I try to stay away from it. Yes. It's not, yes. not that good. Um, sir, hmm? you just have to ask, were you actually at the werewolf fund. Two, Which one? Two, two years ago. I heard, I heard in the papers. Oh, yes. Yes, the, that was a dark day. No, no. I twisted my ankle on the moor. Maybe we're talking about different ones. No, I think that was the right one because I still beat up the werewolf. Were you there with, with, um, with, with Emily? Emily, um. Which Emily? The, the Emily. The Oh, the Emily, yes. Yes. That's the one. Why does me adding the to the start of these things, like, clarify it for you? I don't know. Why <laughs> are you having this discussion? I feel like this isn't the point. Why are you having this discussion with Fabian, where he's kind of, like, fangirling, but also, like, 
Why aren't I? All right, I, 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 hold on, let me roll for Warwick. Three. Warwick puts a hand on his shoulder and, like, leans down. He goes, son, I can tell from the very brief interaction that we've had that you are going to go far in this industry. So just fix your eyes on the horizon and keep going. You're going to do good things. I'm very proud of you. He's, like, moving his jacket over his badge, which shows that he is a... He is an unspeakable, which is one of the highest ranks the agency can provide. Like, he has made it. He is the absolute, like, highest he can get without replacing his boss, basically. Warwick rolled a three. Yeah. Yeah. He, like, he thought that the best way was to treat him like a child. Yeah, he's like, Thank, th- thanks, Warwick. Uh, I've been doing this for two years. Gideon spits again and like glares his brother as the like front door of the car front door of the car the driver's seat door is thrown open and a man gets out who is like equal height with Warwick he's thinner he's a bit like uh, more wiry but he is like the same height like I didn't realise that yeah he is a completely different sort of build he is shadowy he is much darker the hair is just completely black he's wearing a large brown overcoat with a a work shirt underneath it ties and like a large belt and basically like curb stomping boots but with more of a like a cowboy flair to them they're a bit more curved brown leather are they like patterned boots yeah that type of thing and he gets out slams the door behind him and rounds the car he is closer to Pevensey's type of build but Warwick's height and he looks at you all with these hawk like eyes taking everything in Van Mears <clears throat> ah Stanford Warwick pleasure to meet you splendid and this is Oh, this is Pevensey. Peter Pevensey. Reverend Peter Pevensey, thank you. Nice to meet you. Now, I'm sure you know why you're here. Um, something about the Commonwealth? <laughs> you need us to make the arrest. Yes, we are, we've been tracking a, a man. A very deadly man. We need your help. Um, Warwick, you didn't really notice it, but Pevensey with his... Like astute eyes did notice the badge of unspeakable. Yes, and, and Pevensey is a researcher. Yeah, and so he is fully aware of that type of team, and you'd also be aware that Ben Mears is one of the most notorious, well-known leaders of these types of groups. The unspeakables are basically modern-day monster hunters. Yeah. But they hunt monsters that we do not know about yet. They that are unnamed, unknown unbelievable levels of danger Mm -hmm. they are the modern day cowboys of the agency they hunt these things down that is their entire career it's when it is too dangerous for for other teams to do it they send in the unspeakables and they send in Ben Mears' unspeakables Mm -hmm. Gideon pushes himself off the car and walks up to you guys he pulls a piece of paper almost like a, a clipboard out of his pocket and skips through a few pages and then looks up at you For newcomers, I will go through the mission briefing. The agency has been called in on a specific hunt that we believe is connected to a series of killings throughout the southern states of America. 
County officials are concerned and the agency was called in. We've had two teams working their way through the southern areas and when they realised that they were ill-equipped for the situation and the dangers, they called us in. We have encountered a series of brutal and clearly supernatural killings and all of them are connected to a name that we consistently hear at every location and that is Mr. Bates. We do not know if Mr. Bates is the only party involved. We do not know any more details. We can find no information, no visas, no transport information, nothing. We do not know of a Mr. Bates. It is possible that there is a third party involved. We do not know. We do not know if Mr. Bates is an alias or is an organization or is a sole person. We do not know. Tear has been requested as representatives so that the arrest can be made official when we find whoever this Mr. Bates is. He is our core suspect and he is considered incredibly dangerous. We believe that he is either heading or has already arrived at a town called Mercy's Creek. It is a border town and it is in the direct path from the previous killings. The killer does not like large cities. They prefer small country towns and Mercy's Creek fits that bill far too well. We believe that all of the residents there are in incredible danger. He flicks his notebook closed and ends this consistent monotoned drawl and looks up at you both with glazed eyes, shrugs, and then returns to the car. Shuffles everyone towards the car, I assume. <laughs> um, as he's shuffling them around, he does move a little bit closer to Warwick. The last ten people on this mission. Let's get this done. Or should we look for them? They are dead. Oh, okay, yes. I see. No, that I agree then, yes. He throws open the door and gets back in, and he's already started it before you guys are getting in, and, like, it's starting to move a little bit. As <laughs> hold on, going. hold on. <laughs> and just as you're, like, properly in, you haven't even slammed the door, the car is back onto the road and screeching along. It is the evening now, night has settled in Mercy's Creek and is now spattered with yellow lights in lots and lots of windows all across the town. You are all currently at Spot's Pub. Spot's Pub uh, is a pretty squat building, so wooden floorboards, lots of wooden beams around the room holding up the old roof. Very low roof with heaps of beams going this way and that in it, all that type of thing. It's very, it's like you can just see straight through to like the slates and all that type of stuff. There's no insulation or anything hella loud when it rains there's just bottle green windows all over the place which cast the pub in this green hue as the street lights shine through it uh, yellow lamps are dotted around and la around the large room you are sitting around a circular wooden table cigarettes and pipe smoke hang thickly above you a jukebox is playing sultans of swing in which is sitting over in the corner the pub is bustling as it always does even on a monday night so there isn't a menu you all just served the one dish, so it's the night's dish. So you were served a beef curry with just huge chunks of carrot. 
It doesn't look like someone's cut it. It looks like someone's bashed it against, like, a bench. And whatever bits have broken off, they've chucked in the pot. Liv looks over at Buddy and they're just sitting across from the table to one another. And she's like, I I think maybe I should have given them a set of knives. Uh, are you all going to eat it? I'll be right back. I'm going to grab the plate and then head over to the kitchen. Tully's half finished his already. Okay, so you are like smacked in the face with an instant kick of heat. A peppery type of heat, not chilly. <gasps> Lots of cumin and cardamom. Other than that, it's a total Whoa! it's a total mystery. It is extremely complex. But it is quite nice. It's really nice. But you don't exactly know uh, what it is that you were tasting. Is there going to be a sudden is... need for Telly to rush to the bathroom? I this don't is know. incredible. I, I'm tearing up. This is, it's not that good. No, I mean, it's like oh, strong. Bud, as you are waiting in line to get into the kitchen, you taste a There's little a bit. There's a line to get into the kitchen. <laughs> there are a lot of people. Well, there's just a line in the front of the house, so you need to get around everyone to get oh, through. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you taste a little bit on your finger, and you are tasting grated apple in the sauce. Oh, okay. Nutmeg. Black chocolate and a sprinkle of what has to be coffee as well. I mean... It tastes incredible. All but the apple, I, I, I would understand. But, but like, the apple is reduced to nothing in the sauce. You can just I, taste that sweetness and like that acidity. It's almost like having some lemon as well. Chocolate in a curry. What a novel idea. This is the best curry I have ever had in my entire life. And you make the realisation as you look back to the table with... What would, we, what would you be drinking? Uh, a screwdriver. Okay, you look back at that and you think, you know what actually worked perfectly with this? A glass of really hot American diner-style black coffee. Mm. Because it would be this acidity, this like intense punch that would just cleanse your palate Ooh, after then, each like, mouthful. A little, little, little shot of rum in there. Yeah, we yeah. want to do. But yeah. yeah, Telly has a very large, uh, like one and a half liter bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs> Jess, what does Jess have? Um, so yeah, Jess has an old fashioned with her mm-hmm. and she's kind of just playing with the curry, trying to find like rice that hasn't been tainted by the sauce <laughs> because she cannot handle any tiny bit of spice and she's still like eyes tearing up the little bit of curry that is on her rice. <laughs> but then she's also trying to be badass with her uh, old fashioned, but she's also slowly <laughs> dying on the inside. Okay. Cool. Well, Liv, being a true Canadian, has a glass of milk standing there <laughs> with the curry. And she you just see her rifling through her handbag and she whips out one of those fans, like the... Yeah. <laughs> the fans. <laughs> and she starts fanning herself and she's like, all right, well, I can smell flavour, so let's give this a go. <laughs> so, Liv, uh, what have you been doing with yourself? Because, uh, you know, I was chatting to the other two, but I, I don't know what you've been doing lately. Uh, well... You just stayed here, right? No, actually. No. Um, I thought you stayed here. No, my, my family all left. Mm. Um, AK was the only one of us who stayed. Um, and, yeah, I, I moved with my family, got into the private school that I applied to, um... Decided to give up on that because it was a little bit stuffy. Mm. Uh, mm. And then, mm. yeah, became traveling food writer for a bit until savings ran out, you know? You know how it is. Um, and then guess you don't specialize in, in uh, curry? No. 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 So. Um, more fine dining. Uh, <laughs> curry can be fine dining. 
Sure. Probably. Yeah, sure, but she specializes sure. in setting the school on fire. Sorry, it's the dude. Remember that? Jess. <laughs> what? So you set set your palette on fire. Not this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> the conversation quickly dies out as Jack Finney arrives and he's down with you guys. You have to try this. He, he hands his over to you. I've, you have. I've heard it before, yes. Now, do it. I'm good. More for me. Yeah. Liv yeah. is just picking out the bits of meat <laughs> as you guys are having this. Yeah. Tully is stealing them off her plate and putting them on his. No, no, she's eating only the meat. Oh. Tully's still taking them, though. He's trying to steal them from her. Like people who save the small fries for last, mm. but Tully's just stealing the small fries. <laughs> no, he's taking the carrots. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Tully's stealing yeah. the huge chunk of carrots that she's not eating. <laughs> so you guys, the conversation has died quite a bit. There isn't, there is almost an avoidance to want to go into the topic of what was discussed before and the night begins to crawl on. You guys finish your drinks, finish your meals, and there is then the slow depart as you guys leave. No conversation was had. Jack didn't seem to want to bring it up, especially, and you guys slowly head back up to the lodge. You all arrive at different depart- times, depending on which cars you arrive. Okay, you arrive home, and you find AK is not there. Instantly, she feels a bit tense, and a cold shiver running down her spine, thinking, I should have gone with her, I should have gone with her. Bring, bring! Bring, bring! Liv just looks at the phone that is slightly cracked on the desk. No, you're the front in your room. Desk. Oh, I'm in my room. Yeah. Okay, cool. Bring, but the phone is still slightly cracked. <laughs> the phone is slightly All cracked. All phones in Mercy's crack. <laughs> she picks up the phone. Uh, hello? Hello, I'm calling from a payphone. Hello. Oh, okay. Millie, Millie, what did you get yourself into? Okay, I found lots of things. What did you find, I am Millie? a designated dumpster diver now. It's great. I... Scour what I scour through and I pluck the jewels from within. Uh, okay, what what jewels are you referring to? Uh, well, I found uh, a lot of alcohol, like a lot of alcohol, like not much food, mostly alcohol. Good. Uh, yeah, if you'd seen and heard the things that Jack had seen and heard, you might also be drive to drink. And I uh, also found a lot of I don't know how to pronounce it, modafinil. Modafinil. Yeah, I read the back. Apparently, like, it's like, like, just stop you from being drowsy, stop you from being tired type of thing. Keep you awake? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I know why you drink coffee. Like, so it's an upper, not... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But that's, that, yeah, that's not good. You're having a downer, you're drinking a downer, and then taking an upper. Uh, Have you ever thought of having a direct conversation with Jack and maybe asking how he is? Um, I'm not good with that. I know how he is. I looked in his bin. I've looked, in, I've looked in his bin. I know everything about the man. All right. Well, while you take the sneaky behind your back route, I'm actually going to go and have a conversation well, I want, with him. I just want to bring this up first. And All that right. is, I am a bit worried about your other friends. Jack isn't in his right mind from what I've heard and from what you've told me. And this paints a bit of a worse picture, I think. You guys might be in danger if he's so deluded that he's dragging everyone else into this. So I maybe just don't talk to him tonight till I'm back. Um, I'm like 20 minutes away. All right, I'll wait in the room for you. It doesn't seem like we're meeting up or anything, so... 
I'll wait. All right. And she clicks it off. Bud, what are you doing in your room? In my room, mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of things I've brought. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, they all fit on the plane. <laughs> um, in, in the carry-on. Not carry-on. What's the other one? Overhead? Over, no, no, like in the... Chicken. 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 Right, yeah. Um, 30 pounds. 30 so, pounds. But is kind of just getting comfortable. Um, he's opening up his suitcase. He's pulling out like a little portable stovetop. He's got an easy bake oven. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> tra traffic, traffic restrictions were a lot yeah. looser back then. Is um, your TV on? TV? Yeah. Uh, no. No? Radio? Uh, no. Okay. But he is focused on... Making the space his own. Okay. Then you're going to be our roll with just a straight roll. Just roll for me. Eight. Eight. As you're preparing, getting all this stuff out, you pull out a big thing of spices, you chuck them out down. You got a bag of sugar. Yeah, I got flour, sugar. <laughs> and you're like, that doesn't look suspicious. Thunk. It's in like a clear it's plastic a bag. Yeah. There's a lot of it. Um, yeah, and you're pulling that out, you're pulling it down, and there's just a prickle. On your neck and you click your head over to the door just as it closes and you get the uncanny feeling that someone was looking at you through the crack of the door I'm gonna go over to the door yep. and fling it open and yep. look down the hallway fling it open rush over swing the door open look down the hallway to see if I was imagining it or see if I see anyone and there's no one there Okay. okay. And you also think, I locked that door. Okay. 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 Yet it's not locked now. Hmm. That. Okay. And then I close the door. I lock it. And uh, I stand and look at it for a little bit. And I just think, yeah. I grab a chair. And I don't like bolt the door. I just put it like in front of the door yeah. so that it's it's in the way and it's like yeah yeah that'll do that'll do sure. we go to the room next door Tully what are you doing uh, there is a very cheap horrible sounding radio mm -hmm. in Tully's room uh, it is turned up all the way yep um, it's probably some kind of rock station he's not really listening to the music but it's very loud and he's sitting on the bed his clothes and like just bags are everywhere completely scattered there's like nine packs of cards on the like the other bed mm. that's just there for some reason <laughs> and he's alternating between a sports magazine and a women's fashion magazine and he has a notepad and you can't tell which magazine he was taking notes from <laughs> it was one of the two you're not sure and he's like singing along like tapping his feet he's got his shoes on on the bed yeah you hear Willow banging on the wall <laughs> you turn it down uh, he just thinks it's part of the music <laughs> you you reach over and you turn it down a little bit it's like is that the, is that the man that's a good bass that's a good bit of bass I it's like, this the thing sounded so tinny before man. and you hear a sound uh, from down below what kind of sound should I roll yeah uh, do I add anything to that? Just whatever it is. It'll be fine. It's a five. It's five. Like, is it someone talking? Are we mean downstairs? Don't you get that? We, we and you start. You switch off the radio. It's like they mean without me. Uh, before he switches it off, his hand like lingers on the volume knob, 
and he's trying to decide whether he turns it back up or like turns it down and switches it off. Yeah. Like turns it up a little bit. Uh, that should probably go look. Turns it down, turns it off, takes the magazines. Yeah. Okay, you switch it off and you uh, open your door and you head down the staircase, which is right in front of your room. You head down there and you emerge into the reception area and Jack Finney's there. He is pulling on his jacket with a packet of cigarettes in his hand and he looks at you and shakes the cigarettes. He's going for a walk before I head home. Okay, you, you want some company? I'll come with you. Sure. Okay. And just as you're around sure. the corner, Tuck Marsh comes around the other corner holding another packet of cigarettes. Looks at the two of you. Now I can go on my own. That, that's fine. You you do your own. All right. The uh, three of them go through the front doors <laughs> out into the night. <laughs> Not overly happy to all be together, but they are. And they head out into Mercy's Creek.